Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast, featuring Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Poach in Boston, and Craig Gradelli in New York City. For those of you new to the podcast, each week the guys share news, views, and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, along with information on the USA national team. With all that said, let's get on with the show. Breaking news! Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Uh, I'm live with Craig Riddelli. You can find him at American RFC. He has shaved. He doesn't want the COVID hanging out in his beard. True, but my head needs to shave now. I think uh, I think my wife may be called in to give me a high and tight at this point. Should I send you my clippers? I mean, do we you have clippers. We just don't have anyone proficient in the use of – no one's qualified on the clipper. I, cl- I, I cut my own hair. Yeah. I think we're Friday, Friday. Friday. It was Friday. Friday. It was rough. Uh, I mean, Brooke was, like, calling me out on, on Instagram. Because she was holding the mirror for me. She was like, oh, somebody pays attention when he goes to the barber shop. Uh, so. so two major pieces of news. And then a very interesting interview happened this weekend. Um, the Colorado Raptors withdrew from Major League Rugby. The letter that was sent to the players is signed by Mayor Mike Dunifin. And uh, informing them, good luck and all that stuff, but that they're out. Uh, so I would say that if that is the case, uh, the mayor has some type of role with with the Raptors, you'd think. But we'll get to that later. Um, what do you think of the announcement of the Major League Rugby Draft? Ah, uh, Exciting. Uh, you know, I think people had discussed for a while the possibility of a draft, what it would look like, would there be a draft? I know a draft is not necessarily a commonplace thing in other countries and more rugby, uh, centric sporting cultures, but, uh, it's definitely an American thing. I love drafts. I love the football draft. I'm super excited for our fantasy draft in a couple days, and I'm going to love this major league rugby draft. Yeah, it's uh, so it, there were some interesting pieces of commentary. One of the reasons, like, why is rugby, why is this happening to American rugby? Uh, I was like, I, I mean, I don't understand why it's a bad thing. Um, from, from a perspective, like, when you look at it, I think we're at capacity for the most part for talent ID at the club level. Uh, I think that we should continue to use the clubs and have combines and bring players through the club system. We, we should do that because you are going to find players doing that. But we, we aren't in the same place where we can bring up like 10, 15 guys a year from one club directly into another club. You know, I can't go – to Nyack today and take 10 of their starters and put them in, in Rooney because I don't think t- the, the front line of Nyack uh, is, is at the level of the current front line of New York. 
Now, can you pick and choose some players? And same thing with Old Blue. Can you pick and choose some players? And same thing, you know, you can find a player down in MYRC who's a probably a good athlete or even Gotham or whatever. You're going to be able to pick one, one guy, one guy, one guy. I mean, and, and then you can send the, your players back to the clubs later on and, you know, help raise those levels. But I think we're at capacity right now. I don't think the, I don't think the new MLR clubs that are going to come online are going to be able to, in a sense, raid their senior rugby clubs to build their teams. Um, I mean, if they can, that's a one-time thing. You get one, one large, you know, pull from local clubs. And after that, you're going to have to, you know, eventually you're going to have to start finding a new source of people. There's not going to be enough, you know, even if you take the best 15 people today from every local club, you know, in a couple of years, those people retire, they do other things, they go to Europe, whatever. You're going to need a larger source of replenishments. So uh, if you like, as a, so for, from a perspective to, to give everyone something is what is like, what do drafts do? Uh, for a league. Um, so, Craig, do you believe in things like a salary cap? Sure. Yeah. Do you, do you believe in things like a foreign player cap? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm trying to illustrate some some specific uh, some specific things um, here. Uh, so, what what is a is an import card a, an asset? Yeah. Okay. So, so there we go. Is cap space an asset? Of course. Um. So, what is the draft pick? Also an asset. There you go. So, what you what we're getting with the draft is a few things. So, there's assets that you create via draft, and how you do that is draft picks. So every team gets picks. There, we're saying there's gonna like the the press release said four rounds. And at the time, I think it was 13 teams before uh, the, the, I guess, announcement of, uh, of the Colorado Raptors leaving the league. And that Glendale again, now that they withdrew, I feel like they're back to Glendale. Yeah, well, they're, I'm never going to call them Colorado. I think we decided to never call them Colorado, just just. Yeah. Just for just to for fun because they were Glendale for so long, but so Glendale withdrew withdraws from the league, and so now we're down to twelve members in the draft, and and you know there's the 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 thirteenth team is like everyone's like mad, and uh, the comment okay uh, there was some clarification put out by by owner Bill Webb, and and I think that needed to be a part of like the original press release that had. Uh, comments from general manager Mark Winokur. And here's the thing. So the arrows, like any um, team in the United States, they exist for two specific missions. Um, in I would say the league in general exists for two things to develop North American players to feed the national teams of North America, which are Canada, uh, Les Rouge, or and the Eagles. That's one of the, that is one of the hallmark missions of Major League Rugby. How do you go about doing that? We'll, we'll talk about that too. 
But the other one is to build and develop a sustainable and viable commercial product. Right. So those are, those are the two like around rugby. So those are the two missions of major league rugby. Well, couldn't do the first without the second. So yeah, exactly. So, and I'm not saying it's either, or I was like, these, these are the two missions of major league rugby develop a, sustainable and viable commercial rugby product and feed the North American national teams. So it could end up being feeding the Mexican national team at some point too, if there's ever a team in Mexico. But so where the arrows kind of run into a problem, not really the arrows, but um, as far as them participating in the draft is concerned is we have had visa issues uh, the last three seasons in major league rugby. And it is at the point where if you do not have a senior cap, you will not get a visa uh, to play in the United States. So that means Canadian college players wouldn't really drafting them. The only team that could actually draft that is the arrows anyways. So that's kind of why the arrows aren't part of um, the draft. However, so is solution to, like fixing the visa thing. We're pretty close. There are, there are some wickets that the league has to jump through um, to get there. And I think it's like number of years the organization has, you know, been operating and total revenues that the organization has. And depending on who you talk to, I'm we're pretty close to the total revenues. And I think if I'm throwing a dart at the board, the number of years that the league has to operate is probably five is my guess. And it's specifically because P1As, um, the the idea with a lot of visas, especially now under this administration, but really it, it goes back to the end of the Obama administration is tightening things up a lot. And it's like, is this person good enough to take an American's position? And I think, once we've been around, say four or five years, depending on what's and what's ever going on, uh, the the Canadian visa issue becomes like the NHL, MLB, NBA. Like there doesn't become there, it just becomes a rubber stamp, and it's and it's done. Um, the other guys, I don't know about them, um, but the Canadians will be a part of this draft. And it will be before the tenth year in the league, and it will be in the fifth year of the league, but it won't be that far away. And it also because they primarily take Canadian players, so they're they're also not especially interested in, in the American collegiate. Yeah, I, I would say plenty of the U.S. teams would be interested in Canadian collegiate players because the Canadian college system produces some very very good players. So. But either way, they weren't going to be in the draft. No, they, they, I mean, with four picks, they're probably going to pick Canadians anyways, right? Um, but it, in reality, is opening up the Canadian market to American teams uh, gives them more high-level talent coming out of college. So it, it really doesn't hurt the Arrows as much as it hurts the U.S. teams because there are, I think it was 27 Canadians that don't play for the arrows that play in MLR. Like, so like you got the Larson twins that play on different teams. You've got um, a couple of guys playing for Atlanta. You've got uh, Mo Abdelmanum 
playing for, uh, you know, the Austin Gilgronis, and you've got a bunch of guys, like if half the te- if half the More Canadian hours. national team plays for the Arrows, the other half plays for Seattle. But you know? I, maybe I'm wrong here, though. But I thought the draft, regardless of whether Toronto decided to, because you know, before they announced they were not going to participate. The draft was still only for American collegiate players. You, an American team couldn't draft Canadian. No, they can't because it's the visa problem. Like that is yeah. the real problem of Toronto not participating. It's that the Canadian college players aren't able to participate because we have a visa problem. Once that gets fixed and they can be drafted, then it's it's fair game for everyone. Um, so then, and, and the reason why I say this is Bill Webb clarified their position. And he said, currently a Canadian collegiate graduate would not qualify for a P1A visa. So therefore there is no reason since, because since Canadian players are not eligible for the draft because they would not get a visa if drafted, the arrows will not participate in the draft and when that occurs, we will. Like that's so. I mean, there's no reason for that. Like, will they draft American players at some point? They may, but there is no reason for them. No reason to participate if they can't. If the only way for a Canadian player to go south is to have a senior cap right now, they, they skipped the U.S. went right to South American players. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess that that those are the facts. So it was like. They like their mission for them is to develop Canadian national team players. And then, you know, but their mission is also to develop, to have a viable product to sell tickets to. And it is easier to get a visa to Canada, apparently to play sports than it is to the United States, at least for major league rugby right now. Um, That's just, the way it is, I guess. Um, but uh, so that's the uh, draft. I think is going to be fun. Um, you're seeing a lot of kids uh, graduating seniors, very interested from a variety of programs, whether they're blue blood programs or small programs. Guys are guys are declaring, and that's cool. I guess shows there's interest. Every and, like, an hour, some person says, "I've just declared for the MLR." Draft. The more of those, the more I mean, that that shows that there is interest in playing major league rugby. Like, I mean, the the moment that was announced, guys declared for the draft. I like it. And and if if we're saying it's a a marketing ploy, don't care because it worked. Yeah, it's not a ploy. It's not a ploy if it works. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it works. I mean, guys declare for the draft. So, um, if if people have. If these college players declare for the draft, that means their parents are going to pay attention. So that means more fans. Like, it, 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 I hope they have a good media, you know, program around the draft that people can follow it, and it's you know, there's some kind of coverage that'll be fun for fans. We'll see. Should be. I, I think it'll. There, there will get some build up. It's a good. It's going to be a good piece of content. And if, if everyone pays attention, everyone pays attention to the draft. The number one draft in the United States is of course the NFL draft and it oh, kills man. it. And the NBA draft has been trying to become like the NFL draft. The baseball draft is trying to become like uh, the uh, NFL draft. And, you know, this was baseball. This was major league baseball's change. Um, anyone else not getting sound? Um, 
I I, I don't know what to tell you, Mike. Uh, I can even fellow smiling on your let me, let me check um on my end if I get sound because I didn't mute this. So uh, yeah, we're getting sound. So I just checked that. Um like so so baseball, like to the point that they wanted to be like the NFL draft, they wanted to be special. Uh, what did they do? They decided to move the draft to Omaha right before the College World Series. Yeah, that, that a shows you how much college baseball has become a drafting ground for uh, Major League Baseball because it used to not be like guys used to go to college and play college ball because they had no chance to, and it was the last thing to show scouts that they could play. And what we've seen in baseball is an investment in the game uh, by schools. And so talent, more talent is seeking four-year degrees and getting further developed in, in college. Um, that's, that's what we're seeing with college baseball. Um, the problem with the baseball draft, though, is that the, unlike almost any other sport, the players that are drafted don't appear on the major league team for years. Yeah, well, I mean, so that's like so everyone, five so years. Interesting, interesting thing, right? So baseball and hockey – um, you have Carter. We're going to talk about that, man. We are going to talk about that. That is the reason why we are here. Um, I'm sorry. We've been talking for 17 minutes about the draft, but, um, the people talk about why like MLRs needs to have academies. I was like, well, baseball and hockey basically have academies. They just, um, license out the development of their of their talent to affiliates so like you ha- if you look at a, if you look at a baseball team so major league baseball if you look at a major league baseball team they're gonna have a triple a affiliate a double a affiliate and several single a affiliates uh and also a single a rookie ball affiliate and then they're gonna have a short season arizona league or cactus league or cactus, it's called an Arizona League and a Florida League affiliate that is directly controlled by the team. And then you also have the Arizona Fall League, which is where all the top prospects come and play a month-long season. Um, in fact, I got to see Tim Tebow play once because uh, he was considered a top prospect by the Mets that year. Uh, and uh, but they they have an like it is an academy system. Like it is like that's, that is what it is. You train day in and day out and you play games. Um, so now I think the evolution of the MLR draft becomes much like the, uh, much like the MLS draft. That is if a player comes through an MLR Academy and he goes to college and he doesn't go directly to the senior squad, he will have the option of returning to the team that the, of the Academy graduated from and the team won't have to spend a draft pick to get him or he can enter the draft. That is the, that is the evolution that I see for the MLR draft going forward, because that's what makes sense. If everyone's going to have an Academy, you're going to want rights to those players. Right. So that's, that's what happens in the MLS. Makes sense Um, to me. So the other thing we're here for is 
Colorado withdrawing, and this is Colorado where exit. Call it Colorado So, what's your opinion, man? I I read the letter that Dunifin sent to the players, um, and I'm just like, come on, man. And I talked to a few of the players, and they were. I know there were rumors about this back in October and there were rumors about a rogue league starting up. And, you know, there, there is some information out there that we've sort of learned that it isn't, it could be a real thing. And, you know, like there could be not a competing league because it's going to be a league that has much less funding. And I think a low, much lower salary cap. If you think $500,000 is a low salary cap, it's probably get their salary cap will probably be less than season one salary cap for MLR and they won't be on TV because they're, they don't want to have those costs. So they're not going to track them. If a poorly funded league falls in the wood and there's no one there to hear it, did it really fall? There you go. So, you know, I, I spoke to a few of the players and there was a lot of disbelief. There was a lot of devastation. Um, not disappointment because from what I was told, they were blindsided. They wow. didn't know like that this was going to be a thing. Like that they were just going to withdraw from the league. Like I think the, I think the players were of the mind that if that the team would probably be sold um, because if it's about money, then sell your team because you can at least recoup some of your investment, maybe even all of your investment, right? Like if it's about if, like, are you willing to write off a couple million, like say $5 million, you just sunk into this thing. Well, that's the question, right? Is what, what is actually going to happen to the organization that is now Glendale Raptors? Are they- well, the players are contracted to the league. So right. the players will probably get picked up via the uh, – oh, Rick, how's it going? The players will probably be, I, I guess I – this sounds weird – distributed via the reallocation of players that occurs at the end of the year. Basically, there are teams that where they can't get to a contract agreement with players. The players are centrally have central rights with the league, and – teams have scouted the these players and signed them and this happened this has happened the first two seasons of the league yeah. um where i basically waivers it's basically there's a bunch of players that go into waivers and teams claim them off waivers that's basically what happens and then you also have an expansion draft so you could end up seeing that half the raptors get sent to LA and half the raptors get sent to get sent to Dallas like that. That could be what happens. So that's the players. And that makes sense. But what about the, the organization? I mean, they, you know, the stuff better than I do, but I, my understanding is they own shares of major league rugby, right? As a well, So what happens to the organization? Well, the Raptors the shares, I mean, the Raptors have said that they are withdrawing from major league rugby. Uh, I've heard that there was, an attempt for a negotiated sort of resolution where the, the league or an owner, like much like how the Gilgronies were purchased by the LA team, 
or the LA ownership group that they were trying to sell the team to the league. And there were some funky details, which I wouldn't have agreed to personally. If, if that, if the rumors are true, I would not have purchased the team for those conditions. Put it that way. Um, So failure to reach a deal. So now what happens to Glendale's ownership of MLR? Like their shares in MLR? Based on how I understand it is they forfeit the shares. Hmm. Okay. Because, yeah. I mean, based on what I understand is they are forfeiting their license um, to operate a team and – whatever rights if this somehow single entity was sold to a gajillionaire. Yeah. That just doesn't make any sense. Why not sell it? I mean, if you're just getting a zero on it, no matter what you sell it for, it's better than a zero. Yeah. I I mean, that's, that's what I don't get. Right. There has to be more to it. If this is about money, you sell the team. So what is this about? I think it's about at the beginning of the league, um, Glendale was the only place that had full control of a venue. It was the only purpose-built sort of rugby venue that wasn't owned by a college. Um, there are a few purpose-built college facilities, but it was basically the only purpose-built professional venue um, in the country. Which and, is awesome. uh, yeah, which is great. So, like, they supported, you know, rugby. Awesome. Um, but... Then we get into that interview that Matt had with with Mayor Donovan, and I'm like, he says that he never owned a share in the Raptors. But the paperwork says that his wife is the alternate governor of Raptors 2017 LLC. We don't know the details, obviously, but whatever the technical ownership and beneficial ownership is, it seems clear that at least he's very. He has a relationship, yeah, with the Raptors. An insider to that organization with with a great deal of influence, whether he technically owns a share or not, you know, who knows? Um, apparently, he doesn't own shares anymore since they're being forfeit. Uh, well, yeah. but our shares. Um, but yeah, I think it's you know the interview is strange you could tell or at least it seemed to me i think most people would agree that matt mccarthy was a little taken aback by some of the answers to the extent that the mayor was saying that he is not an owner doesn't know what's going on almost acting like he was he was a complete outsider or just a contractual you know counterparty because he's involved with the field itself as opposed to the team um I, I don't know why between the message and the interview, I, I don't think, I feel like they haven't said anything clearly about what they want to do. They've made some vague references to developing the American team or any, I mean, anything. Could, I, don't, so, I don't see. So if, let, let's dive into that. They have brought in some crossover athletes that you would have thought would have de- they would have invested in and developed and brought through to the MLR team. There was a six foot six offensive tackle from LSU two years ago that went through their summer crossover academy, and then last fall last year played one game at prop for the Merlins in the PRP. One game. He was not rostered at any other point that year for the Merlins never played for the Raptors. Why would you take a first choice American athlete and not use him 
as a lock because that I mean you got him leaned out like he's playing he's playing rugby right so that means he's he's gonna be able to move a little bit around the park and their scrum needed a lot of work <laughs> that's why they put him at prop. <laughs> hey, hey, our our props are awful. So let's see if this guy can play prop. Oh, hey, there's just I mean, there's a lot of things to like tear apart because if it's about developing American rugby athletes and American athletes to be rugby players, they the Raptors did not invest in coaching to then develop the crossover athletes they recruited to come into the senior team there. And if we're about local American rugby athletes, their strategic partnerships with colleges weren't even in their catchment area. They did not yeah. partner with Colorado state, which has a pretty storied history um, as a rugby school. They did not partner with CU Boulder which has a pretty decent had a pretty decent rugby program before it was suspended. They partnered with Duke and Clemson. Clemson's yeah. Clemson's in Atlanta's catchment area. Duke is in Washington in DC's. There's so many strange things that went on where I'm just like why? I, I in theory you could it's not beyond belief that they could just have had a change of heart and said, "Look, we got into this with a certain idea. One thing led to another. We found ourselves in a place we didn't think we were really getting out of what we wanted. So we're cha- yeah, we're we're calling creative differences and, and going our own way. And it's but still, you could sell the team. Yeah, that I don't. The There's got to be more to it than that because I I just can't see why you would willingly take a zero when you could have a chance to do the exact same thing but get proceeds for a team sale. I feel like there's there must be more nuances there that we, we don't know yet. Hopefully that'll all come out uh, as time goes on. And I you know I would love us to have a better national team if they have a great plan that's financed and funded and it's going to draw you know the attention of the players and the coaches. Uh, that'd be Who's great. Financing that because it ain't going to be USA Rugby. I don't know. It ain't gonna be World Rugby anymore either. So interesting thing before they before they w- announced all this hunyah. And before COVID-19 pandemic destroyed everything, uh, the World Rugby was going to fund a USA Rugby Academy. And it was going to be based in Glendale. Yep. And the academy was going to focus on – they had two, uh, like, scouting events. One was going to be in Hawaii to cast a wide net on island kids um, who just get lost, um, who go back to the island and just stop playing whatever sport – they are, um, and try to get them and ask them if they want to try rugby and then send them to Utah where they, where would have, where all the crossover athletes from this, from the contiguous, the lower 48 contiguous United States were invited to be scouted, um, and then er- potentially earn an invitation to a resident Academy that would have been hosted by Glendale for a period. I think it was like four months. And the idea was put these guys in a daily training environment. They're eating, drinking, sleeping rugby 40 hours a week, getting a little bit of a stipend and the, and they would earn MLR contracts at the end of that. Like that was, that was the idea. First so season of the ultimate fighter. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's that basic world rugby films probably would have filmed the crap out of that. And we yeah. would have seen it on like NBC Olympic channel or something. Maybe that's and, just what their plan is now. Maybe they're just going to do that. And you know, if it's world rugby or they're, well, world, world rugby isn't going to be bailing out more than just USA rugby. So I don't know if that Academy project is going to be viable this time around. Who knows? They just keep shoveling their money into the USA rugby fire. Yeah. yeah. Why stop now? I just, as far as like, we, there were some interesting comments, like all 22, like camera angles, like that made no sense. Um, One of the things, one of the things that annoyed some people that uh, we know were the comments about what the, what Glendale looked like at the beginning saying that, the team that they first fielded had no rugby experience. And one of the people was like, that was from that time was like every single person on that team had played rugby in high school. That, that that wasn't the case. Like we weren't just all brand new. We were all kind of brand new together and that we built something and, you know, we didn't know all the stuff in the head shed, but like as players, we thought we built something. And it's like, so now do people feel betrayed? If you read the stuff on social media, the fans are not Reddit, Twitter, elsewhere. The fans are not happy. Now, who's ever happy on Reddit or Twitter? Well, I don't know, but the fan, but like the, there are. This is like, you know, if you if you were a Baltimore Colts fan, this is like the Colts leaving in the middle of the night, yeah. or this is like the Chargers moving to Los Angeles, or the the Rams leaving St. Louis. I mean, you, we can't really talk about the Rams leaving Anaheim. It was kind of a good riddance type event. Like that there were Rams fans that were very annoyed that the Rams left, but there were many Rams fans that were like good riddance. Except in all these cases, there's a, the the franchise continues to exist in some other location. Is there an example you can think of where a team just, like folded up and vanished. Voluntarily folds. Yeah. yeah nothing. I, I, what? I yeah. he's like, we don't agree philosophically with you having non-American players. And this is where I, I, I pick, I, I take umbrage with that statement because Glendale imported players for a decade. Yeah. They poached players from teams and they, Got guys coming over from either either on vacation visas or sponsored visas and played for them. They before Major League Rugby, they had like three Georgians on the team. Like I mean, again, that that's true, but it also doesn't mean just because they did in the past that that has to be their mindset going forward. They it, they could, in theory, just wake up one day and say, you know what, no more importing players. Now we're going to focus on the American-born players. Um. I think if they're going to do that, though, I want to know who's going to be the coach, who's writing the checks, and how are they getting the best American players to be interested enough to go participate in the program? I mean, it's the same way with, like, MLR. It's like, you're, like, originally Glendale's Academy didn't pay players. Now, you're going to have to pay players if you think you're going to get players to show up. Um... Period. And then the, he said an interesting thing. Okay. is like, okay, players can go play MLR. And what, what are they going to do? What do they do in their offseason? Oh, they need to train. 
do you really think that MLR teams are going to want to want their players to go train in Glendale? Do you do, do you really think that? I, I don't think so, especially if you look at a bunch of the teams, players, uh, the foreign, some of the foreign players leave and they go home and they come back. They're not going to, they're, they're going to, they're going to yeah. go down to play Curry Cup. They're going to go down to play Mitre 10. They're not going to move to just train in Glendale. They're not talking uh, about foreign players anyway. Or well, I mean, even American players. Do you think that um, a team, let's take, you know, New Orleans, for example, which had over 25 guys from the team last, from the team in season two, stay over the summer and in the fall and just train and work out together during the off season, coach, help coach youth clubs, help coach senior clubs. Do you really think those guys who are getting embedded in the New Orleans community are going to uproot themselves and move to Glendale? Do you really think that's what I don't know. I I, want to hear the plan because it, you know, that's North's a good example, but you know, a lot of these people I think go back to their non-MLR clubs in the fall and they play another Chicago is an example of that where you had Angus McClellan the last two off seasons went back to the Lions and played in the Midwestern Rugby Premiership MWRP, I think it was is what it was called. No. So I mean, yeah, a lot of these guys, if they aren't staying. They're going home where they can be on their parents' couch and not pay rent, and they'll play rugby and stay fit and, you know, do other things to make some cash. So I I don't see how they will – the biggest thing for me is I don't see how Glendale as a place stays with the heartbeat of developing American rugby players. Could they – do they – if – they have the facility to do this. Do they somehow finagle their way to become the training center of the U.S. Eagles? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that, it's a it's a facility that could do that. That's what they seem to be suggesting. They they're not saying anything specific, but again, like okay, Glendale, whatever you're going to be, Glendale Academy. You know, give me your coach, give me your funding source. That's what I that's what I want to know to have a sense of whether I think that's a realistic outcome. But as far as like fans coming back, mm, I think the fans were tied to Glendale, the MLR team. Yeah. Well, not Glenn, going, not the, if it's not during the MLR season, what teams are they playing? Like, Because if you watch, I'll be honest. I mean, I watch the WPL games because I'm a nut and – like I watch the WPL games when they're when they're not on flow. I think they were yeah. on flow. You're right. right. When when they're available, I watch the. I mean, so I think Glendale has them on their website on Infinity Park Stream, and when they're on, there's they're not people going to Glendale rugby games. I'll be honest, there weren't really that many people going to. Glendale, I mean, during that season that they played 10 exhibition games and in uh, the, what was it? The MRC, the major rugby championship. There weren't that many people going to those games. It it looked like a normal club season, except that you had to pay admission. Yeah. I'll buy a beer. I'll buy a burger, but I have a, I have a hard time with you telling me that I got to pay 
$10 to come watch amateur rugby. Um, do, could this be, I guess, a, a return of the shamateurism era where like everyone that played at on back worked at a, worked at a bar that was owned by a club old boy. Is that going to, I mean, they used Glendale paid players. They used to like give them jobs. Is that what, is that what happens again? Because I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't think it's illegal. I mean, that that's the strategy. As long so, as they're, but, as long as they're doing the job. Yeah. That's all that matters. Right. Yeah. So, but like to your point about fans, I mean, how, Presumably, fans are not coming to watch drills. They're coming to see contests. So, I mean, who are they playing against? Maybe they again. Maybe they have some creative idea. Maybe it's going to be East versus West. Rugby X in <laughs> Rugby X on a full size field. They play oh, the XFL teams. They play a game of football, game of rugby, cross code. <laughs> yeah, challenge. Um, I. Maybe they play college teams. I, I don't know what the plan is going to be, but. I, so that's, it's just hard to assess right now because there's so few details. And even this is speculating because maybe that's not their plan at all. all. All we know for sure is that they claim that they're going to be focused on developing the national team and less so on commercial success of rugby. So, I mean, if that's the case, then you're going to see tests hosted at Glendale and you're going to see training camps at Glendale. And if that's the case, okay, cool. And that's that's it. You know, I, I don't really see – if you look at this whole system, the the Merlins this year did not feel the second team. Um, and when they rebranded the Raptors amateur side as the Merlins, they had two teams. The D2 team went up to D1 and played in Red River. And then last year in 2018, 2019, they withdrew from the Red River and joined the PRP. Uh, they were playing in the PRP Another and they lost all three games. They were getting beat up. There was no D2 team registered within the frontier region, or there was no second men's team registered in the frontier region uh, in either D2 or D3. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's also like Glendale is not that big of a town. So most of the guys, I would say, well, maybe not most of them, but I would say more than a handful of guys that have played for Glendale previously did not live in Glendale. Not that that's a problem. I'm just saying it's like they don't really have a base to draw from. Yeah. All told, it's just, you know, you hate to see it. Um, I it feel like all the players that are kind of thrown to the wind here. And, uh, I, you know, I, I am hopeful. I, I want to see whatever they're going to – I want the USA team to be good. So I, if that's yeah. their goal, I support that goal 100%, and I'm hoping they're going to be successful. I'm just looking forward to finding some details. Yeah. If, if they become a training center for the U.S. national team, that's cool because one thing that USA Rugby doesn't have With is a, a world designated Cup. training center for the national teams. Yeah, not for 15s, yeah. Yeah, not it's like not for 15s. I mean, for sevens, we use Chola Vista, but it's it's like not necessarily ours. Whereas this is all rugby all the time, so you could do a lot. I think you could do a lot of things there because they have the the stadium and two fields and a gym and all sorts of really centrally located. So you gather people from across the country and you know, reasonable expense. So we'll see. Um, 
if that's the case, uh, that it wouldn't be a bad idea for most people involved. Um, if it's, you know, mutually beneficial, um, you know, if we, if, if the union gains a lot from it, then cool. Yeah. And great. I, I would love that. I'm, I'm cheering for that outcome. So Glendale, whoever your secretive owner is, let's make that happen. So um, there's uh that's our commentary on the MLR draft and the, the Raptors ceasing to exist unless uh, Glendale rebrands their amateur programs back as the Raptors. <laughs> um, so there's, there's that. Um, however, you can catch us Wednesday. I think we said 7 yeah. p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Eastern, yes. 7 p.m. Eastern. 4 p.m. So Pacific time. Excited. Super so, podcast. I tweeted, I tweeted out to the, to the Twitterverse to get ideas for who, who people thought should be the first overall pick. Nobody, I got, yeah, there were some likes and retweets. Nobody actually gave an answer. If you guys see that tweet, I want to know your opinions on who you guys think is the first overall pick. I think it's, I, I have one in mind, but I can be convinced otherwise. Who you picking, Joe Peterson? I'm taking Beast right now as my first. Oh, Tendai Mtawawiro with the first overall pick. Um, so we're gonna do something cool. Uh, Andy, I think we're gonna we we need to talk to the people. We're gonna have Preston from Red, White, and Black Eye. Josh, the chief writer for Earful of Dirt, is going to reprise his previous role, and he is going to pick suffering up, Glendale. Um, a team. And, He's and a suffering Glendale, Glendale fan, and yeah. uh, Preston. Oh, he's like no. So Preston from White, White, and Black Eye, the American Rugby Pod, is going to pick. And then Derek Brissett from LaRouge Rugby Podcast is also going to be picking. You know, Toronto's out of the real draft. Derek's into the fantasy draft. Yeah, so we're going to pick coaching staffs for, I guess, one of the rounds. I think we might pick it first. Or we might pick it last. We'll figure it out. But there will be six pickers and 16 rounds. So uh, it will be a great time. And see you all. On Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific time. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby, its teams, or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Poach is employed by the New England Free Jacks. Their opinions are their own. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Connect with your hosts throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Or email your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week. Until then, get out there and enjoy some rugby.